Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Presented by Onyx. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Born and Raised Audio Experience brought to you by Onyx Hunt. Uh, today, I am with John Stallone from Halfer Wildlife. I met John at... Uh, at the Western Hunt Expo, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that uh, seemed to be a lot of, man, that thing is getting so huge. It's just like pretty crazy as far as what that thing, the Hunt Expo has become. It used to be something you could like navigate through, you know, in a day or, you know, even half right. a day. I don't think you can see the whole thing in a day now. No, I, I don't, honestly, we were there, I, I was there the whole weekend with my wife. And I'm pretty sure we didn't, um, we didn't see, you know, any of it. <laughs> you yeah. know, there was so much more. Like I kept going to the same places and and uh, rubbing elbows with the same people. I guess. Yeah. Um. But it's it's definitely gotten a lot larger. Uh, I've been going there. I think at least at least ten years, maybe more. Uh huh. Yeah. So it's it's definitely grown. Gotten gotten a lot bigger since I've been started going there. Yeah, and uh, we're trying to get a booth there for next year for Halfa Wildlife, actually, um, which has proven to be a pain in the ass. But yes, yes, it does. We're going through that same thing right now, trying to get booth space and where we want to be and everything. And as you, uh, yeah, it's 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 not as much fun as it you think it would be. No. Um, how for wildlife let's talk about that john just kind of give us an intro um as far as what's going on what you guys are doing and and uh how people can get involved and stuff let's kind of break it down sure um so how for wildlife um we started it in january of 2021 so very new year year plus here year in a few months um we started kind of well if I, if I rewind back, the for me personally, um, my partner Charles is uh, my the president of the, of the organization. We we've, we've been hunting together for a very long time, but in 2016, um, I started this initiative uh, called um, Hunter Up, where I wanted to get hunters. Um, you know, to care about other hunters, basically, mm. for for us to to stop the infighting, you know, that kind of scenario, and really uh, band together as a group, because as collectively we are actually a lot stronger than the anti-hunting community. I'll use that word, that term loosely. Totally, um, the anti-hunting establishment is probably a better <laughs> better way to put it, and. Um, you know, basically, I wanted the hunting industry to be more of a hunting community, and um, and I and I started looking at you know legislation. I started thinking more about conservation and all this other stuff. Um, and then Charles and I, we you know we started talking about it, and we had this. Uh, actually, Charles had called me up in. 2020 uh, about a bear bill that was being introduced in California and they were trying to ban bear hunting altogether and it was uh, Senator Weiner. Yes. I remember that. Yeah. Senator Weiner. His um, he had he he was sponsoring this bill and Charles was like, "Hey, what do you think we can do?" and you know just off the cuff, I was like, hey, we can, you know, start a change.org. I said, I, I know a lot of people. You know a lot of people. Let's just kind of get everybody involved and let's kind of like guerrilla market it out there. And, and well, that change.org got like 22,000 signatures in five days and had like $18,000 worth of money donated, which all went to change.org, of course. But because um, that's how that works. It's a for-profit organization. Gotcha. For-profit. Gotcha um anyway so but senator weiner was getting all the heat 
from this change.org because Charles was like, well, I'm going to set this up and make sure it directly goes to him. And I'm going to word it so that if you read it, I'm going to word it. And we, we believe this to be true. So it's not like we were trying to pull the, the wool over people's eyes or anything, but we're going to word it so that if you read it, you're helping wildlife. Because we believe that if you do, if you're anti-hunting, you're anti-wildlife. Because if anti-hunters were to succeed with their mission, um, and there's, I'd have to go down a big rabbit hole to explain this to you. But um, if anti-hunters were to succeed with their mission and end all hunting and take away all the funding and all the things that go into that, um, the wildlife would suffer greatly. And they might, it might actually end, you know, um, the species, a lot of the species that we know of today. Mm-hmm. So he worded it a very, like it was brilliantly put. So like even people who weren't hunters were getting involved in it, which was great. Um, and anyway, within five days, they dropped that bill. So Charles and I were talking, we're like, man, this is, there's something to this. This is powerful. Um, so we tried it on another bill and I believe that was in Montana and we had very good success with that. And we're like, well, we need to start a change.org specifically for hunters. And that's, uh, kind of what I did. Actually, I went down this road. I started building this website with some guys that I had worked with before and they, um, Long story short, we failed miserably of building that out. And then COVID hit and Charles had a lot of time on his hands because his business is, um, he does like zip lines and climbing walls and stuff like that. So it's, you know, you need events to do that. And he lives in California. So he was basically out of work for a while and he jumped into it, you know, all, all in. And started developing, having meetings with all these different technology companies and basically end up building Health for Wildlife, what it is. Um, and so a lot of the, the mechanics of how it works is the, is the brainchild of, of uh, Charles. And um, anyway, so that's, you know, the origin story, basically. But uh, what we do is we connect the hunters and anglers with the decision makers on policy uh, at any level. It could be at the commission level, it could be federal, whatever. We we connect you to those decision makers so that your voice can be heard on those. So we've cut out the middleman. So, um, and I just use this as an example. I'm not picking on Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Uh, cause I love them and they're one of the few organizations that have been very receptive to us. Um, but they have an action center and in their action center, uh, it says contact your representative. Well, your representative may or may not have anything to do with that piece of legislation. So it's going to fall on deaf ears more than, more than likely, or they're not going to be able to do anything about it. So, um, and then a lot of the other organizations use like form letters where they're like, okay, we have a membership of 30,000 people or hundred thousand people. And, um, on behalf of our 30,000 members, uh, Mule Deer Foundation is opposing this legislation. And that's basically not power. It's not powerful. Yeah. And so we've kind of gone through and figured out um what is going to be the most effective way to have your voice heard uh we're going to eliminate all the obstacles in the way of doing that we make it super easy so if you want to get involved in anything that uh, we have up on the website if you go to our action center you click on an action uh, and you go in there, like right now, they just we just put something up there about the uh, Colorado wolves. And so, if you go in there, you just you basically you put your name and your email, and you hit send. That's the most simple form, like boom. And it's going to send an email to the decision maker 
all the decision makers, not just one, all the decision makers of that. We've made it so that you can edit that email and put it in your own words. You can read through all the uh, talking points. You can read through all the information that we provide um, if you have more time and cool. and make your own, which I, we encourage people because it's more powerful. Um, the email that is going out is randomized. We upload, we actually physically go in there and we have guys working for us and we write a hundred to 200 different emails for each. Wow. Each issue. Uh, and the subject line is randomized as well. And the reason for that is we don't want them to keep getting the same email over and over and over again. Um, we have some other reasons for it. I'm not going to get into it because I'm starting to feel like uh, there might be <laughs> other people that are trying to do, which honestly, I don't mind them wanting to do what we're doing. Um, but if it's for the right reasons, yeah, I want them to do it because they want to help stop anti-hunting and anti-fishing, um, but not because they're jealous of what we're doing. <laughs> you know what yeah. I was reading through your website and the thing that caught my eye was you're not uh, taking a political stance. You're not backing anybody in a political race. You're not mm-hmm. all of those things are stated on the website. It's just for the uh, advancement and thriving of, of deer and elk and, and fish and, and, and the wildlife obviously. Right. But um, which is pretty cool. I thought that was, that was pretty yeah, well, well to say, I mean, right? there's there's plenty of sportsmen on both sides of the fence. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's also another thing that we don't do. We don't get involved in. I have to give you an example. Like here in Arizona, uh, two years ago, they were banning trail cameras. Mm-hmm. That's up on the thing. So there's no real connection to wildlife. Um, conservation one way or the other on the trail camera argument and there's hunters on both sides of the fence Mm. so we're not going to get involved in stuff that's where we have to take a stand one side of the fence versus the other side of the fence on you know with with an issue like that uh because then we're just wasting time resources. yeah that's an interesting one too is because it's it it comes back to the whole we're fighting amongst ourselves a little bit yep. you know? exactly and that's what we're trying to avoid yeah you know yeah. um propagating wildlife and having more opportunity and access and um you know that's that should be apolitical you know every hunter should want that mm-hmm. and um you know one of the main uh, ideas we're trying to get across is going back to what I always told you about where my, what my realization was in, in 2016 um, is that we want the whitetail hunter in New York to care about the elk hunter in Oregon. Mm. We want the bear hunter in, you know, Kentucky to worry about the mountain lion hunter in Arizona. You know, it's like, um, what what guys don't realize you know, what we come across one of the biggest obstacles we come across is that people if it doesn't seemingly affect them they're very um you know i guess they don't really care not, not that they just don't get involved it's it doesn't move them enough and well, like, the yeah, flip yeah. side of that is the the anti hunter in New York City who's never seen a bear before in the wild, mm-hmm. maybe in a zoo, is going to jump on the bandwagon for uh, eliminating bear hunting in Washington or California. Hundred percent. You, know, you know what I mean? So I mean, that's that's the other side of the coin, right? So, a couple examples. One to fortify what you just said. Um, I just did a podcast with um, the uh, Jesse Dubell. He's the uh, the president of uh, New Mexico Wildlife Federation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, say what you will about the guy. Um, he's got some he's got some heat around him from from hunters. But he he often speaks because of that organization's kind of like an in-between of 
he often speaks to like Sierra Club and oh. Sierra Club is not necessarily a um non-hunting, but there's a lot of non-hunters that are part of Sierra Club. Yes. So right, like Autobahn Society and those so he when he goes to speak to those events about conservation and about hunting and fishing, he'll have a packed house. He was telling me he's like, I got a packed house. And then it's like pulling teeth to get five hunters to show up. So they're kicking our ass all over the place when it comes to, you know, they have no problem locking arms together. The save the polar bears people will lock arms with the save the, uh, you know, Mexican jumping mouse, uh, got, you know, they, they don't care and they share money. They share resources. They all jump on it. Like we go every time we go to, um, a game and fish commission meeting or we're part of some committee meeting we see the same organizations from the other side project coyote husis PETA, you know you name it wildlife for all all these all they're all there yeah who's there for us yeah nobody just the person no it's a great point it's like when when you stand up against you know, oh, they're, you know, doing something against Roosevelt elk in my backyard. Well, yeah, I need to have a voice, but oh, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just, I, I, I totally see what you're saying. It's, it's very easy to just write off the, well, I'm never going to go hunt. You know, I'm not going to ever draw a sheep tag in, in Utah, you know, or whatever it may that's, be. You that's know? the dumb, that's the dumbest mentality to have. And I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sorry to call out anybody listening here, but if you think that way, you're, you're not thinking smart. It's a great point. Uh, you know, it, it, and to, and to even further along, how you know we are as hunters, like the so we have Halfa Wildlife has like forty thousand users of the website. Okay, when we post an action, we see anywhere from fifteen hundred to like fifty five hundred people get involved. What does that tell you? Yeah, the the percentage is just isn't there. You know, right? What does that tell you? Yeah. And, and let me let me explain something to you. With that smaller number, we have been able to progress or win like forty six different actions. Forty six out of like the forty nine actions that we've gotten involved in. I don't know the exact numbers on how many actions we did, but it's the lion's share of the actions that we have gotten involved in. We've been able to win. So just think about it. There's yeah. At least 15 million hunters in the United States. If 10% of those hunters were members of Halfa Wildlife and 10% of those hunters all got involved in every issue that there wouldn't be a single a single uh, action that we get involved in, a single bill that we get involved in that we would not win. Yeah. We'd have a huge what force. does it take? 30 seconds of your life and you know maybe 25 30 a year so whatever that is 30 times 30 is that nine minutes of your life like did i i don't know if i did my math right in my head but it sounds right so it sounds incredible (laughs) (laughs) the big thing about these two from what i've seen um yeah i just heard the other day they're talking about possibly listing the the chinook salmon on the oregon coast you know and Mm -hmm. so it's like oh my goodness but um what i've seen from this too is once it goes it doesn't come back it's not like uh well we'll review we'll review it in a year or two and we'll see what you know we'll see how this goes and the new mandates and everything once it once it's gone it's usually uh it's gone for good you know absolutely yeah you know as hunters uh as sportsmen in general anglers as well you know, we, we have to support science. We have to follow it, uh, follow management. So, you know, if a Game and Fish Commission comes up and says, hey, we need to drastically reduce the tag numbers of this in a certain units or, or region, whatever, y- you got to support that, okay? Yeah. As long as the agenda is let's recover this area to come back to what it was or what we needed to be at to get the carrying capacity up, whatever. Um, That's what's very difficult. I think with Oregon, as far as um, from what I've seen anyway, and, and kind of observed happen, like 
it seems sometimes like Oregon manages more for money than they do for for the wildlife themselves, and and going about it that way has a is a um, I don't know like our mule deer populations. What used to be, you know, we had really good mule deer populations and some trophy trophy quality, and and now it's just like every unit just gets blasted hunting, and just it, it's 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 an issue from the top down. What do you guys do to like? I mean, do you guys sit in on the board meetings? Do you guys do you guys talk about uh, ever just just the regular meetings coming up, um, or is it usually like okay, this bill has come up, and usually is it is it is it just on the threat situation that you guys usually kind of no, step not in? Really, because we we also get involved in a lot of stuff that is pro hunting. So like Montana, Florida, uh, both trying to uh, get hunting and fishing and trapping included into their state uh constitution so we've gotten involved in that we've gotten uh last year i remember new york state or long island specifically was trying to introduce um a spring turkey season so we got involved in that um so there's there's a lot of i shouldn't say a lot but it's probably like 80 20 that mm-hmm. it's threat versus positive. So we do get at least 20, 20 to 25% positive stuff, which is great. Um, as far as like meetings and stuff like that is concerned. So we, what we do, one of the, one of the things that we've done and had a lot of success with success with is um, getting hunters and anglers to show up at commission meetings. And we provide, um, especially like, in Washington and Oregon, we've kind of been all over it. We've had several of these because um, they've, especially Washington, more than Oregon. But mm. that that can, I'm going to say it, um, you know, let, let them come after me personally. But um, I think personally, in my opinion, that is one of the most corrupt um, game commissions there is. Um, so that being said, the what we do is we we provide uh, a place for you to RSVP to mm-hmm. that, and we provide like a pre-game, we call it like a you know pre-gaming meeting or where like a night before, two nights before, we'll have everybody on a Zoom meeting that is going to speak at one of these commission meetings, and we'll help them with the education we'll tell them how it's ran what to expect um you know how to present themselves uh we'll put even put out talking points uh so on and so forth so that when we show up to these things we're going in with our best foot forward and we have had tremendous tremendous response um on this i i can't tell you how many game and fish people have been like you know hey before this we had like three four hunters would show up and the rest of the room was anti-hunting. Now you have like 200 hunters showing up and there's only a handful of anti-hunters in there. And it's been, I was, uh, I was in a meeting last, was it? I can't think. Of, yeah. It was in 2022 for California, um, game of fish community and game of fish meeting. And it was, it was awesome. You didn't know that you were in California. First off, the commissioners were all awesome, open-minded, and even put the. I remember the chairperson putting Hughes in her the representative from Hughes in her place about um, about uh, eating bear meat. <laughs> yeah, because you know Hughes's standpoint is. Um, if you take a picture, if you take anything other than the meat from an from an animal, um, there that's their definition of trophy hunting. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, and and I got this sound sound bite too, and I've used it on Instagram and stuff. That's you know, just because you take a picture doesn't mean you don't eat the meat. Yeah, the game commissioner said to her, and it was it was beautiful. But you know. It's, it's, good to, it's good to hear game commissioners saying something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, these are the people. Yes, they represent the people. They rep, you know, you, you have to take in, a, in account a lot of stakeholders as a commissioner, but you're also 
the um, steward of the wildlife. You're also the steward of the people who are the biggest stakeholders in wildlife, which are, is the hunting and fishing community and sportsmen in general. You know, so it's just uh, it's it's really awesome when good. you have some good ones. You know, yeah. and the uh, the that's their new tactic is to infiltrate the game and fish commissions and it's happening countrywide right now countrywide i know um yeah anyway i've heard of a lot of board you know whole boards that aren't even there's not a hunter on the board you know it's like it's like wow that's that's pretty one-sided so like here in arizona uh it's pretty hard for an anti-hunter to get on the board even though even though our governor is the main appointee for the or is the appointee for the uh the commissioners mm-hmm. they have she has to pick from a pool of people that was um that was vetted by uh it's called carb um and forgive me i don't remember exactly but carb is made up of sportsmen uh sportsmen groups ranching um and i forgot what else but it's very hard for that's awesome so yeah and and you have to have had a hunting and fishing license for x amount of years yeah so like you know somebody wants to not that that's all that huge of an investment but you'd have to really play the long game you'd have to be like okay i'm gonna buy a license (laughs) five years or whatever i I think it needs to be 10 but i think it's at five right now but i have a long game i love that well yeah that's what they've been doing you know that's what the anti-hunting's been doing if you think about it look at all the uh mainstream media like movies like bambi okay it's been around since what when the bambi come out in the 40s or something like that i don't even remember but it's long time way older than you and i right oh yeah and you know if you think about every single, i can't think of a single movie off the top of my head other than maybe the ghost in the darkness that the hunter or sportsman is portrayed as the as the protagonist they're always right. the antagonist they're always creepy they're always elmer fuddish or redneckish or you know the bad guy yeah, always the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. I I remember watching. I was sitting there and I had to shut it off because I'm like I was watching. Uh, it was a movie with uh, oh my God, I can't think. Reese Witherspoon. Oh, she's yeah? like going doing like the Oregon Trail or something, like hiking it, and she comes across these elk hunters, and they're drinking beer with their backpacks on, these frame packs, and they're like dressed in like flannel and whatever, and and they're just you just like oh my god these guys are gonna like rape this girl you could tell right. like something's bad's gonna happen i end up shutting it off so i don't really know what ended up happening but that's the portrayal it's like right. oh my god like first off what freaking elk hunter in mine is gonna pack around a six pack when you're backpack hunting okay i don't even want to carry the freaking water that i got because it's <laughs> damn heavy right i'm definitely not carrying a six pack of beer that's gonna weigh me down and then you know the alcohol is gonna slow me down on top of it but it's just all this stuff, but the, the non-hunting public sees that and that's immediately what, where their brain goes to, right? Yes. Yeah. So no, and it's, it's all the movies too. Everything, Disney, everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's sad. Yeah. It's sad. Definitely. It really is. No, it's, it's a terrible situation, but. And at the end of the day, with like the Pittman Robertson and all that stuff, I mean, we as 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 sportsmen and women, I mean, it's we are the ones that are protecting the wildlife at the end of the day. If you, you know, just narrow it down. Yeah, but that we don't we don't do a good job of putting out that information. Yeah. We do a great job of preaching to the choir, you know. Yeah, yeah. you know, mo- and even that we don't do a great. I can't tell you how many sportsmen that I've come across that don't even have an idea you may not know all the inner workings of how that works you know because there's a lot of you know gymnastics in that but um they don't understand the whole user pay thing they don't understand how conservation works they don't understand um you know the funding mechanisms and all this other stuff or they don't understand carrying capacity 
I, I know a lot of states are doing a better job now by making people take um, a hunter's ed course before they get licenses and so mm -hmm. on and so forth. And there's always a component of that in there. But even even talking to the choir, the choir really doesn't even know what the hell's going on. Yeah. So how do you expect the people who are listening to the choir, <laughs> you know, the rest yeah. of the church out there, the rest of the the audience, how are they supposed to know what what we do and how we fit into the puzzle yeah no so they get their information from the internet they get their information from all the propaganda that's put out there in mass media and that is all negative towards us i mean I've been, I've been getting hate i'm sure you guys get it all the time you know on the youtube okay. and all that stuff i've been getting hate i i've had you know threats on my life and oh yeah you know I, yeah we get we get some of that stuff um our channel's fairly, I mean, it's it's pretty shockingly positive, actually, but there is one, you know, every once in a while. And it, it's weird to me, like, it, it's, you could kill a hundred elk, but you kill one wolf or one bear. Oh. It's just, it, it's very, very interesting to me yep. how it's, it, yeah, it's, it's villainized by, by the species sometimes. And I don't, I don't understand that. I don't, I don't really get that, but it's, it's true, you know? Yep. Oops, it, sorry. Jeez, oh, sorry. Oh, you're fine. I'm trying to get rid of that sound there so we don't have it anymore. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just really, really weird to me. And then it's, I think now, I think it's because the antis can wrap around, they can sell the idea that a bear is Pooh Bear. Or, you know what I mean? I mean. They, can, they can sell that a lot easier than the friendly elk, I guess. I, I guess that's, I, I, I don't know. It's weird that, that me and, and you probably... And people are okay for the most part if you're going to shoot something and eat it and there's a very uh distinct narrative out there that we don't eat bears oh is that the okay okay which you and i know is bs right sure um, sure sure but so that that's one then you know you you hit the nail on the head the the poo bears the the teddy bear has been a you know forever sure. um you you go to these like tchotchke shops in these little towns and there's all these little bear carvings holding things up to put in your cabin and you know so it's like a, this thing it's it's very um anthropomorphized that did i say that right something yeah like that. um and you know the, the but the funny thing is the reality of it so when i was talking about anti-hunting is anti-wildlife and I truly believe this is the long game that the anti-hunters are playing. The reason why they're always going, not only because predator hunting is a low-hanging fruit and easier to easier to uh, get removed, but think about it: bear population. You, you, I mean, you're seeing it in the in the Blue Mountains in Washington over there, right? Yeah. So the predator populations going up and it's decimating the elk herd out there correct okay that forces us remember how i said we need to follow the science and not hunt something if you know the the area is not doing well or whatever well predators are knocking down the prey so much that yeah. there isn't a surplus okay so if they are to succeed in getting rid of let's say bear hunting altogether in in a state or lion hunting in a state or introducing wolves okay and now these wolves multiply to a point that they're taking you know fifty thousand elk a year oh yeah there'd be any hunting for elk right and that's what they want they want it to be the problem is okay and i'm going to put my my old manager hat back on. Um, I, I, I have a degree in rangeland management and ecology, and I have two certificates in wildlife management and management. So this is, this is I'm going to give you my, my two cents. Okay. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not practicing and I don't claim to know everything, but the anti hunters have this and they, you hear them say it all the time. Oh, you know, they'll self-regulate let the let the prey go in there you don't need hunters you don't need to manage you don't need to do this um and it, and eventually it'll self-regulate 
Well, if you listen to like Dr. Valerius Geist or any of these people that have a really deep understanding of what this is, you create predator pits. And at the very least, you're going to create this um, drastic cycles, like up and down, up and down. Mm -hmm. Like if you, if prey, the prey get knocked down, the predators end up suffering because there's nothing for them to hunt. And then they knock down and then the prey come back and it's just back, back and forth, just drastic swings. There's no happy medium balance across like what they're envisioning. And it may take, you know, decades and decades for an area to maybe stabilize. But the biggest problem is, is humans. We touch everything. There's almost 8 billion of us in the world, right? We're not aliens to the planet. We're part of the system. We're also the biggest consumers of, of resources. We occupy the most space. And all these things that we do, whether we never set foot in the woods in our lives, have impact on the wildlife. So it is our duty as the, the intellectual beings and the, the people who are consuming and, and, and doing all this stuff that negatively impacts it to be the ones that conserve, to be the ones that manage. And when you come in and manage something, you can't look at it and say, oh, I'm going to fix this and just leave leave it be, right? Because yeah. you turn this knob, this knob needs to be turned on the opposite side. Like there's, it's got to be holistic, looked at holistically. So if you're going to introduce wolves, and I'm not saying wolves are, you know, the devil, right? I'm right. I'm not anti-wolf. I'm not anti-predator. I like predators. I like, you know, I coyote hunt. I lion hunt. I I, I bear hunt. I like seeing them on the landscape. I respect them. Mm-hmm. And I like to hunt them. And bear, I like to eat bear. And I like to eat lion. Um, but they need to be managed also. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to manage deer. And I'm going to manage elk. And then... Let me throw in all these apex predators that are going to affect that population and not only affect that population, you know, use up other resources. Okay. Cause places like here in Arizona, water is a commodity, right? If you got like, we have problems with horses drinking up too much water at some of these tanks and the elk can't get to water. Like everything needs to be, it's it's a happy balance. And we're the only people, we're the only beings able to do that on this planet. Plus, like I said, it's kind of our duty to do that because we've, you know, we've affected everything the most. Our roads, our buildings, our you know everything that we do. So, anyway. I like that that duty to conserve. You know, it's it's, and I, I totally agree with you as far as um, moving forward. Uh, man, when they enlisted, when they or when they listed, when they gave you know cougar hunting, they banned it here with dogs, you know, and it's, you know, it's no surprise that that's honestly one of, I mean, it's very rare to see one. I've, I'm in the wild uh, out here probably more than most, let's just say. And I've seen, I think four in my entire life, you know, without the use of hounds or something of that nature. And, right. and, and it's just, you know, it's the, it's the most effective way to, uh, you know, to reduce the population. And when they took that away, man, you can see now my uncle actually is, um, he's one of the, he helps out the government trapper. He has some really, really good dogs. And so he helps out the government trapper who mm-hmm. now is getting uh, at least four to five, just to, just in our small area in, in, in the coast of Oregon here, just in our small area, who's getting four to five calls a week on yeah. cougar sightings and one ate my five sheep and one ate my goat, one ate my dog, you know, Absolutely. and it's just like unreal how, you know, whereas like, and it goes back to the thing I was talking about before. It's like, once it's gone, even though we're having a problem right now and the, and ODF and W says it is an issue, go, you know, it, it still doesn't come back. It still doesn't say, okay, let's, all right, guys, let's manage these. Let's put a quota on them. Let's do very hard. Very, very hard. hard, very hard. And it's just, hard. it's unfortunate, but I think a lot of people just think they trust maybe a little bit too much in their, in their, you know, you have to, to a point, but at the same time, I think you still have to question the question what they, what the, what they decide, I guess. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, none of those decisions come about. I shouldn't say none, but almost none of those decisions come about without public input. Mm -hmm. This goes back to what we were saying earlier. Is we just don't show up. Yeah. Yeah. We don't show up. Our voice is not heard. So how especially back then when that was done, you know, yeah, of course. that was like hundred percent. You know, yeah. people in Cal- in Colorado right now are bitching about them reintroducing wolves. Well, guess what? That was a ballot initiative. Hmm. And they only lost by point nine. So not even a full percent. Wow. Okay. And I don't remember the exact numbers. So don't quote me on this, but I think there was like 1,200,000 votes for wolves and whatever 0.9% is less than that. Right. Okay. Well, there is 1.1 million hunters in Colorado. Yeah. Okay. So if 1.1 million hunters showed up, Guess what? You would have wiped the freaking floor clean. Wouldn't even have been a thing. Yeah. Really. No. Okay. Yeah. So if you're going to bitch about them, it's on you. You didn't yeah. show up. And, you know, again, I don't want to be sit here and call people out, but this is maybe, maybe that's the tactic now. Maybe right. it's, we start calling people out because don't tell me you don't have enough time. You know, don't tell me you're busy. You know what? I run three businesses. I have three kids. I have a wife. I run a podcast. I part of Half, you know, I'm the vice president of Half Wildlife. I don't know very many people that are more busy than me. I'm sitting here with you. I've literally gotten 17 text messages, okay, in this time frame that me and you were talking of people needing a decision from me. Of sure. Certain. Sure. Okay. Don't tell me that you don't have enough time. It takes 30 seconds to send your name and your email on an issue. Okay. That, that to me is it's unacceptable, especially how passionate we are. You know, I see this stuff all the time. We have, we'll have a conversation like this on my podcast and, you know, it'll get a few thousand downloads mm-hmm. and then I'll have like you on or something to talk about elk hunting. And I'll get 15,000. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We spend so much time trying to perfect our craft to get better. Like any video I do on YouTube or whatever, that's like a how to way more, but you can't take a few seconds to, to make sure that the thing that you love is going to stick around. I mean, that's the fact of the matter, right? It's, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, when I went on your website, I, I well, okay, what, back up even more than that. You came up to me at the Hunt Expo there and and gave me a, a card, a Halfer Wildlife card. Right off the bat, I'm thinking, I thought, well, this is a, you know, a, I thought it was kind of an organization without knowing anything, obviously, was uh, for wolves. I thought it was yeah. like, okay, this is an anti-wolf thing or something. And I, I, it, it, what I thought. We did that on purpose, so I'll explain that to you. So, you know, going back to what I told you about the story, how Charles worded that first um, mm-hmm. that first change.org thing. Um, it's it was done intentionally because we want non-hunters to. I don't want people to view it as. I wanted to. I wanted. We wanted people to view it as a a pro wildlife. Um, organization and we we wanted the the outlook you know the people outside looking in to have a realization that sportsmen care about wildlife because we do we 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 are the biggest champions of wildlife i don't care what any anybody tells you we're the biggest champions of wildlife that's number one number two the wolf is the apex predator. There's yeah. no other predator better than the wolf, right? So that's hunt. He's a hunter, right? The, yeah. the wolf is a hunter. Yeah. We're hunters. And lastly, we wanted the pack mentality. We wanted it to be where collectively 
we were strong. Mm-hmm. You know, when the when the wolves howl together, it is powerful. It's not just one, you know, sound off in the distance. It's I like that. powerful thing. So yeah, it was done on purpose. And you know, the reason why your head goes to that with the wolf is because of all that propaganda we talked about. Right. They they co-opted the wolf as their champion. Yeah. You know, why why should it be anti-hunting champion? They're they're starting to con- they're starting to call themselves conservationists. Yeah. They're preservationists. They're not conservationists. And they're they're taking stuff away from us and we're letting them. And we want to take it back. So what can we do, John? Uh, okay, same, say, say me, right? I have a YouTube channel. Uh, I'm on social media quite a bit. Um, I hunt and I fish and I do all this outdoors. What can we do as sportsmen? I guess I'm getting at just on the smaller level. Obviously, uh, you know, the sign-up thing and, and follow and, and do all that. Oh. Is there a, is there a is there a disconnect there between hunters as far as um, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is the is the whole bloodthirsty kind of side of things right mm-hmm. like showing yeah. showing the 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 gorier parts or something like our YouTube videos we we make them real we don't fake anything we don't right. fake anything we don't have all the camera in front of the shooter you know and where you're reacting the shot and we want the reaction the real visceral reaction of when you recover the game or when you're you know you got you know uh, hopefully it never happens but you lose an animal or something of that nature you want to get those emotions to try to set that precedence of this is the way we feel about this animal what are people doing that or can do I guess the question is, you know, that actually honors more and, and brings more people into the fold. Yeah. So, um, you know, with YouTube, you're, you guys are already doing it because you're showing the whole story, right? Mm-hmm. When you're talking about Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or, or one of these, you know, type of platforms, it's just a, it's just a, a, a snapshot in time. If you just see a guy there with a gripping grin and okay, yeah, you could put a caption on there. Most people don't read a caption. I'm not telling you don't put a nice caption, tell the whole story, whatever. Sure. sure. Okay. But if you're going to show a gripping grin, the next picture that you slide over to should be the meat. It mm. should be the meal that you made from the meat. That's a great, that's a great point. That's a great point. And uh, yeah, that's, that's great. I like that. You gotta, you, you gotta understand the way these things work, right? We are, as a society, and I'm sure you know this now, especially uh, being in, in the, in the YouTubing world and all that stuff. It's very hard to get people to sit down and watch something for more than 30 seconds. Mm. So our, our uh, attention span is very, very become nothing. We have nothing. We're all a bunch of freaking ADD guys running around, literally. Like that's we have zero tolerance. Hell, I get pissed off on my phone if it takes more than three seconds for something to load. So I'm not any better than anybody else. I'm not. I'm not saying hey, dumb, you know this. But and also personally, I've been the guy that puts the kill shot up. I've been the guy that you know, but. You always, when you're posting things, you always got to think of what is the first impression of what this is, okay? Um, and you also got to understand how these programs work, the algorithms work. And if I post something, yeah, I'm going to be talking to my peers for the first 10 people, mm. okay? 10 people like it. Then it opens it up to, 10 of each of their friends. And we all have people within our circles. We have our aunt Millie's and our, you know, our cousin Frank who don't hunt. Right. Right. And it gets opened up to them and they like it cause they're okay with it, but they open it up to all these people that may or may not like what you do. So, or they don't know if they like what you do. Don't give them a reason not to like it. You know what I'm saying? So no, I totally I like that. I think, think about think about being think about the whole story, what I'm gonna get from this 
picture or what am I going to get from this caption, this story, this reel? Uh, reels, reels are crazy because reels on Instagram don't speak to your audience. They just go out there and anybody sees them. Like mm-hmm. I've part of the reason I've actually recently kind of been canceled because of that. I've put out some stuff that was um, hunting adjacent that wasn't necessarily. I mean, I was hunting, I was actively hunting, but nothing died and there was no, you know, um, mm-hmm. I called in some foxes and so called in some javelina and those reels went viral, you know, 1.2 million views or something like that. Um, so a lot of non hunters saw that. And oh, the yeah. comments that I was getting were like, you know, I, like on the Fox one, it wasn't a big deal, but like um, the ones where I was calling in Havelin and, you know, you hear something screaming in the background. So you think, you know, people who don't know, they don't know that that's a Fox pro. They don't know that I'm predator calling. They think it's the Havelina that's screaming. And they're like, oh, I can't believe you're torturing that animal. Da, da, da. Oh. You know, so that kind of stuff. And then what ends up happening too is this, which is kind of where the cancellation comes in, is you start getting all these people that start following you that really don't give a crap about hunting. So the algorithm thinks that that is your most relevant audience. So now every time you post something, those are the first people that see it. And they're like, oh, yeah, I liked you because you called the, you know, you had cute fuzzy foxes coming in. I liked you because you, you know, you had these up close encounters with animals. But now you're posting a grip and grin of the deer you just shot. And I don't like that. So I'm not going to hit the like button. And now Facebook or Facebook or Instagram meta specifically is going to say, oh, well, this guy, this, this piece of content's not good. His audience doesn't like it. So I'm not going to open the doors to other people. And then you get canceled. Like you don't, people don't see your shit. So anyway. It works both ways. So you 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 just always have to be conscientious of what you're putting out there. Exactly. No, and that's kind of what I was getting at as far as like, um, yeah, we try to do the whole thing of like, okay, post this to where like an anti is going to see it. You know, that's right. what, you know, exactly. maybe, maybe change someone's mind. Maybe, you know, maybe make somebody think, wow. You know, this wasn't you know, just a, a right. bloodthirsty, the guy just bawled his eyes out over, you know, something that's, that's pretty emotional or something of that nature. Right. So that's what kind of the, the direction we try to And go. the hard work that goes into it. And it's yeah. like, you know, yeah. just going back to that picture that, that is painted of us where, you know, the general public thinks we're running around in pickup trucks, shooting shit out of the back of the truck, drinking beer, yeah. willy nilly, just, you know, pistolarian out there. And that is, that is the consensus of what a hunter is. So do your best to change people's, um, perception of what you are. And that's having nuanced conversations with people at work who don't hunt, you know, talking to bringing meat in, talking to people and just kind of having this grassroots. That's the only way we could do it because we're not like the anti-hunters. They have packs, they have money set aside and they've been building money to put aside specifically to talk to the non-hunting public. Why do you think we have such a hard time winning when it goes to Bishop a ballot initiative? Mm. Because they're able to pump out propaganda uh, and, and media out there. And we don't. Yeah. We don't. That's been, and as of lately too, that's a, a very positive thing. I think is a lot of people are turning toward that procure your own meat kind of thing, and right. and it's it's actually you know with the help of people like you know the Joe Rogans and stuff and the and the and the, the big big influencers and yep. stuff. Uh, it's it's been a really cool thing to see as far as people going out, knowing where they're where they're you know, food on their table came from. And, and uh, that's definitely a positive thing, I would say. Yeah. I, speaking to that exact, I don't know why I didn't bring this up earlier. Oregon is trying to pass a right to food. Uh, yeah. Which is essentially a right to hunting and fishing. Yes. And gathering. Yeah. Um, right now we're, we're involved in that. That's something all, you know, at the very least, if you're from Oregon, you should get involved in that. But I think the whole country should get involved in that. 
It's crazy. So it's yeah. crazy. Well, how can people get a hold of uh, what? What's the what do I do um, to jump in and be notified and stuff and to make the voice heard? What What do I need to do, John? Yeah, you just go to Howlful Wildlife. Um, we've set it up so that you. If all right, this is this is a great example. How many people? If you, how many organizations out there that you know of offer a free membership? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Zero. Usually, you okay. got to pay for everything, right? Right. So, we've made it so that if you want to get involved, you don't have to pay me thirty dollars to get a, a year. To, I want you to. I would love you to buy our membership. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we need the money to run this thing, right? It's not cheap. Um, and so, but if you're not in a position to do that, I still want you to be involved. So we've created a free membership. We have our paid membership, which has all the benefits, you know, discounts and all this other cool stuff that goes along with it. And we've started making partnerships with people like Onyx and uh, Go Hunt and all these other, like Hope and Young, where you get more for your membership. So like if you specifically go hunt, I'll talk about that real quick. If you want to go hunt insider. Okay. If you went to go hunts website right now, it costs you $149 to buy their insider package, which is their top membership. Right. You could come to how for wildlife, purchase that same membership for $149. We add our $30 membership on top of that. Plus you get an additional 15%. Uh, to go shop at Go Hunt's store, which you don't get if you're just a member. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's specific giveaways and stuff throughout the year that are specific to the, that membership base. That's really cool. Plus, because we're a 501c3, now 50% of your membership is tax deductible. So it, it's like, it's a no brainer. If you want yeah. Go Hunt, come to Half Wildlife and get it. And you're going to get way more for your dollar. So, Onyx the same way too. If you Onyx, uh, Onyx, we are working a a a different deal with them for now. For now, if you use uh, Howlful Wildlife as a code, you'll save twenty percent off uh, to buy any of their memberships, uh, either Elite or Premier. Um, And then we are going to be offering on x with one of our memberships here shortly plus um i'm not 100 percent sure but it's probably going to be associated with uh hunting fool as well i'm coming up with them here and oh end of the month they're going to come out here to oregon they've never been out here yet they're going to try oh, cool. they're going to hunt, hunt some bears with us so the, those guys, uh, Onyx and Hunt and Fool, both are just awesome, awesome people. Yeah, absolutely. I've, we've had, they've been excellent supporters of us. Um, you know, actually, right now, even if you if you want to on this on your this podcast and where we can edit this out, whatever you want to do, um, I have five elite memberships right now that for Onyx that if you join, sweet. I'm trying to think here. How could I do this to make it connected to so I know that it came? Um, find me on social media. Okay, John Stallone. Hit me up on Instagram and say you want to get in on that. You buy a Howlful Wildlife membership, $30 membership. I'm going to give you a free membership to Onyx, the first five guys. Sweet. Yes. That's, that's the only thing I can think of to do it. <laughs> that's not terrible. That's a pretty darn good way. And an incentive. Get on it, guys. Get on it. Yeah, seriously. Well, cool, John. I really appreciate it. Uh, anything else, buddy? Before we before we jump off here? No, just uh, be good to your fellow hunter. We're all in this together. Get involved because, like Trent said earlier, once we lose it, then I get it back. Very, yeah. very difficult to get it back. Yes. Um, and. There's no reason whether you're elk hunter, deer hunter, bear hunter, whatever, that you shouldn't get involved in all things hunting and fishing um, because it's all connected. We're all paying to the same, the same pot. We, 
then the biggest thing that I didn't touch on, I wanted to go over this real quick, is that if you lose a state and you lose a section of hunting, okay, your voice collectively at the table gets smaller. And the smaller your voice is, and the listen, the only reason why we're still around is because the hunting community brings in so much money, not just for conservation, but as an industry for the country. So you can't rely on that because is the other side is figuring out ways right now how to replace that funding, which replaces you and your voice is going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And sooner than later, we're going to be like the rest of the world. And if you want to go hunting, you're going to have to pay somebody to go on their property and, you know, shoot some high fence. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If you don't stand up for something, you're going to fall for anything, right? Exactly. Well, I appreciate it, John. Uh, You appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. It was great meeting you and actually spending some time with you and uh, getting to get in the chat too. And guys, listen to this. Just uh, think about that. You know, we're all in this together. We all want to see the resources last. We all enjoy hunting and fishing and getting out there or camping or whatever wildlife. That's the cool thing about this. This is fun. You, you don't have to hunt. You don't have to do any of that. It's just if you enjoy wildlife, like all of us probably listening to this, uh, make your voice heard and just you know do something about it. Absolutely. Go to halfawildlife.org and it's super simple, guys. Get involved. Cool. Thanks, buddy. Thank you.